uh, real quick, and uh, we're going to dive into some fun stuff. Let me give you a couple of cool things going on, you guys. First of all, if you're visiting with us, uh, the crazy, beautiful stuff going on right outside our church is called Sunday Streets. This happens twice a year, maybe three times a year, and it kind of shuts us down a little bit. <laughs> so if you had a hard time finding parking or anything else, we apologize. Write the city. Oh, come on now. Loosen up a little bit out there. Goodness, it's a beautiful, fun day. Uh, I'm not kidding about that. Write the city and tell them to move it. Just a street down, that's all, uh, so we can have our, our parking. Actually, we're, we're really excited, and if you're visiting with us and you want to get to know us, or if this is your home church, uh, we want to hang out with you. We try to go out to lunch every Sunday after our gathering. So if you want to go hang out out there and uh, spend a little time checking out San Francisco at its finest moment, Sunday streets, we're going to be just right out here on our plaza uh, outside those glass doors and we'll go find something cool to do. There's some hot dogs wrapped in bacon. I can already smell them. So uh, you, you have to have at least one of those. So thank you for visiting and there should be a visitor card, a connect card right in front of you in the pew. Man, we would love it if you would fill that guy out. We want to connect with you. Drop it off after our gathering. On the other side of that wall, there's two, two beautiful wooden tables and some smiling faces. Um, man, let us know what we can pray for. If you have any questions about our church, we want to contact you, so fill that guy out. We got a free gift for you as well at that table, and thank you so much. We pray that you have a true experience uh, here uh, at Bethel. Also, we have a community groups page up. We want to keep developing small groups because we need to get serious about Jesus and we are community projects. We need to do Christianity together. And so if you go on our website, uh, you can see a new drop down and we have four community groups or small groups developed right now. If you want to be a part of a future one, uh, I want you to let me know. I've got a Thursday group I lead across the street. We have a great time. Hit us up. Email us. Uh, there's also an email address in your bulletin as well, and we'll hook you up with that. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, also, we got all kinds of new likes and people following us and getting the word out as we cast fresh vision here at Bethel. Uh, so make sure you're shooting our page, Facebook page around and connecting and following uh, us on that. Can I give you some cool things to pray about that we're trying to build here? Is that cool? Anytime I say something like that, just clap. <laughs> yeah, or whistle. You can whistle here. It's all good. Even if you have no clue what's going on, just clap. That's, that's the new awkward thing here. If you don't know what's going on, just clap. Uh, we got some cool things that I want you to be praying about that we're planning. We're in the beginning stages uh, of. We're, we're putting together a prayer night. Uh, I got to have lunch again with Francis Chan, and he asked me if uh, we could do a joint prayer night. I said, let me pray and think about that. Yes. Like, that's how quick I answered him. I'm like, let me think. Yeah, let's do it. Um, but uh, I, I would like to see us, as a lot of people are traveling during the summer. As we regroup at the end of summer, I would like to see our church and his church come together and do what we did on Good Friday uh, and just pour our hearts out and watch the Holy Spirit fall fresh on this place and move us into the holiday season and just move this church forward more and more and more. So we're working on that. Be praying for a prayer night. Um, Oh man! Oh, oh yeah! We've got uh, we're we're, lo we're looking at putting together a financial seminar. How many of you guys are financially struggling? No, I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hands. <laughs> that was messed up. Uh, but we, we 
we got a couple guys, in particular one guy who's, who God has just truly blessed, and uh, we met this week, and he's just like, I want to pour this out on people, and uh, just look at some biblical principles on how uh, we can steward God's money, and uh, he's got an amazing story, so we're looking to, to potentially work on a financial seminar here, and then uh, ladies, a women's night, we're looking to put together a women's night, and uh, hopefully... What comes from that is a women's community group or a women's small group. So all kinds of cool stuff uh, that we're planning. But the coolest thing we get to do today is worship Jesus, yeah? All right. I have not preached a sermon in a long time. Uh, I am literally transferring experiences to you. These are not sermons anymore. Uh, These are experiences. I'll tear up a lot today, man. I have had an amazing week. I don't mean it's all been like fluffy, (laughs) like God is pruning me, you know what I'm saying? Like just when you're like, man, I'm growing in Jesus, like I'm really experiencing God. What what Jesus says in John's gospel when he's in the upper room with his guys, he goes, look, if you're doing good for Jesus, like if you're doing good for me and you're growing and you're seeing my life show up in your life, guess what God's going to do? Like I'm thinking he's going to leave you alone so you can enjoy that. He's like, no. (laughs) like when God's really touching your life and you're really seeing the life of Jesus show up you know what he does he prunes you so more of the life of Jesus shows up like he Jesus is in perpet the Holy Spirit is in perpetual motion he will not stop moving so like I feel like this is the pinnacle of my Christian experience right now this is the peak of my life right now Coming to San Francisco, I've been here a little over a year to cast fresh vision here and move this church forward, and, and uh, man, it's been, it's been unreal, but just when I think I'm like, I'm, I'm really hitting these spiritual experiences, God's like, John, I love you way too much to leave you right there, but the weird thing is like, I haven't even had time to like catch my breath on all the awesome things God's doing, and he's like, we're not stopping, we're not slowing down, and so I've, I've been having just these wild wild experiences and I'm like God if you keep doing this to me all I can do is not write sermons anymore all I can do is just start spilling them on the people of God with the hopes that like a fire catches in your heart and on Monday when you're back at work or whatever God shows up and visits you in these really spectacular ways like he's he's doing this in my life so let me let me show you where this whole thing was birthed this summer of love thing was birthed I came to San Francisco because I thought I loved people uh, and I, I, I do love people. The love of God is in me, and I, I came here. Some of you are like, wait a minute, wait a minute, start over here. But uh, I, thought, I thought I was loving people, but man, God's like, John, I'm going to show you a whole new level of love. And so I'm sitting on a corner, the V24, that's what everyone's calling this, this corner, uh, the hottest corner in the city right now, and God has planted a church right here. It's amazing. Valencia and 24th, and there I am. I'm sitting on the corner. I think it was a Tuesday about three weeks ago, and a bus rolls by. And, uh, and on the sign on the side of the bus, it said, Summer of Love, 50th anniversary. And you're like, what? I'm sitting on that corner, and it was like everything stopped. Everything's like moving in slow motion all of a sudden. And there's just like this hippie sign on this bus moving it seemed like an inch by inch by inch and I'm just gazing see the cool thing here is you can be weird and nobody notices I'm just like staring I'm I'm captured and I'm just looking at the word love and the bus turns down Valencia I just can't unlock my eyes from it and it's like God 
like through this sign is like just speaking volumes to me with this word love. And I, I, I'm telling you, I must have done a 360 because I, I just watched that bus and I'm just like, like, <laughs> what in the world? And I spin back around and I'm still on V24. I'm still sitting on the corner of Valencia and 24th. And the, the crosswalk light must have changed two or three times. And I'm just like stuck there. The most amazing thing. Man, it was like, it was like God said, John, do you know how to love? Oh, no, 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 not 50th anniversary down at Golden Gate Park stuff. Like, do you know how to love? And I'm sitting there like having a conversation with the Lord. Like, yeah, Lord, I, I love, I'm a pastor and I've come here because I've, I've wept for souls and I want to see people know you and, and all this stuff. And, and the Lord's like, yeah, John, that's a form of my love. That's, that's elementary love. Like, I want you to know love. Like Jesus on the cross stuff. I'm, I'm putting these thoughts together. I'm sitting there on the corner. I never made it to lunch, by the way. I walked back to the building. I don't think I ate the whole day. It was just an amazing experience. And I begin to experience an incredibly strong sense of God's love on me. You know, have you ever experienced God, God's love like that? I have asked the Lord to pull back the experience of his love on me because I feel like I'm gonna die sometimes. Like it's that good. Like dying in the love of God. Like it's so... It's such an amazing feeling, like you can hardly function for moments. And so I'm having these spectacular moments of the love of God lately. And then as a pastor, I'm constantly meeting with people, in particular millennials and, and so forth, who have traveled here for business and, and school, and, and they're not fulfilled with life. And so here I am having these incredible experiences, being bathed in the love of God, like, man, God loves me so much. This is wild. Not because of anything I've done, just because of his grace. And then I'm meeting all these people as they're saying, you know, Pastor John, I'm, I feel empty inside. I've come here, I've done the school thing, I've done the relationship thing, and, and I've done the, the startup thing, and it's all good, praise the Lord, but I still don't feel like I know my purpose for life. And, and then, of course, with all the news and, and everything we even see in the cities, my wife and I were walking down Valencia, having dinner last night, just seeing the homeless people and all the pain in the world, I have all this stuff kind of swirling and, and capturing me in this dance. This love of God bathed on me. All these beautiful people who are searching for deeper meaning and purpose in life in a world that's totally on fire and totally broken. And then it hits me, you guys, that bus, that stupid bus, like I can't get it out of my head. And, and, and I'm like, is it too simplistic to say maybe the answer of all of this is love? Like maybe, maybe that's not too simple an answer. Maybe love has so many layers. Maybe we have hardly tapped in to what it looks like and feels like to truly love someone. That love is the answer. Like what I'm experiencing, what you're trying to hunt down to find purpose in your life and the brokenness of the world, what if, what if it's all kind of woven into this thing like love? What if we all were loving the broken people and the hurting people in this world that we could experience a purpose that transcends anything we've ever experienced in this world? And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm just gonna simplify my Christianity. All I'm gonna focus on is like, Jesus, please teach me to love more. I don't, I don't want to just love as an emotion. Lord Jesus, I want to love in works. I want to love in action. Like, I want to get into people's lives. 
Oh, come on now. Come on. And then I started thinking about you guys, and I'm like, I don't want to go on a, a, a solo journey here. I want, I want people who are hard-hearted because they've been hurt. I want, I want to I impact people who, who are scared to death to get into the lives of people. I want to I want to impact people who don't even love themselves, and I want the Holy Spirit of God to begin to weave and, and bathe and empower all of us, every single one of us, to know what it looks like and experience pouring out the love of God on other human beings and watching their very lives change. Like, that's my vision now. And it's like, so, so what are you doing as a church? Like, what is Bethel all about? We are about, in a thousand creative ways, through the arts, uh, through vocation, uh, through walking down Valencia as a group of 30 of us going out to eat on a, on a Sunday or whatever it is, in a thousand beautiful little ways, our vision and mission is to creatively transfer the love of God to this city. And you're like, that's fluffy, dude. I, I have heard that stuff from, for years and years and years and years. Well, I want to remind you Thinking about Jesus Christ several thousand years ago and what he did on the cross, the world, a very broken and very angry and very confused and very hurt world, poured out its hatred on the Son of God. And what did God do in return? God poured out his love upon that very broken and hate-filled world. And it changed the world and the world has never recovered. So no, love is not cheap and love is not too narrow and love is not too shallow. Love, the depth of God's love, Paul says in the book of Ephesians as he's writing this amazing letter to a church, I pray that you would know the love of God that you'll never begin to understand. Huh? Whoa, Paul. I pray that you would know the depth of the love of God and you'll never understand it. In other words, I pray that you would go on a journey to experience this amazing love of God, but I want to warn you, it's so deep and so powerful and so beautiful, you'll never understand it. I mean, that, that, that is amazing reality right there. And so I'm looking at my own life, and I'm like, wait a minute, Romans 5, 5, Romans 5, 8, all these verses where the love of God has been poured out in my heart. The love of God has been poured out in my heart. I'm thinking about N.T. Wright, who's a theologian, an amazing guy. We're going to throw his quote up on here, and I want you to track with me as I read this quote. He goes like this, love is the language Jesus spoke. Man, I love that. What is the language I speak? When people experience me, what is the language I speak? I'm not talking about broken, you know, uh, slang English or whatever it is I speak. What do people hear and feel from me? N.T. Wright says, love is the language Jesus spoke. And then he goes like this, and we, as the people of God, those who are saved, we are called to speak it so that we can converse with him. And this is what's happening to me. See, Jesus said, I will send you my spirit, but I will intensify your experience if you'll follow my ways. And so I think this is what's happening to me. It's like, I want to, I want to commune with Jesus. Jesus goes, then John, love like me. Go on the journey and love like me. And when you love like me, I will come to you in new and fresh ways. And T. Wright goes on to say, love, it is the food they eat in God's new world. You know, when Jesus comes back to this world and he bandages, he repairs, he resurrects this creative world here, you know the, the very essence of what it is to live will be love? 
And so he goes, and we must acquire the taste for it here and now. Look, if we're going to be lovers, if we're going to be beautiful lovers, if we're going to speak a language of love one day, why not learn it now? Why not just learn it now? He goes, it is the music God has written for all of his creatures to sing. And we are called to learn it and practice it now so as to be ready when the conductor brings down his baton. When Jesus comes back and he makes this world right and we live on this world forever and we sing and we dance and we bless each other and we create and, and we work, yet without sin, it's, it's this beautiful new world. When the conductor drops the baton, all will know his love. Well, the conductor is here now in us. Why don't we learn the song now? Any artists in the house today? <clears throat> the cool thing about that question is like, you don't even have to be an artist to say you're an artist. Like nobody even knows what art is, right? It's just like this abstract kind of concept. If you're an artist, I'm not an artist unless you call this an art. I don't know what, I'm, what I would call what I'm doing up here. More of an experience. But if you think of art, uh, you'll know Van Gogh. Is that right? Vincent Van Gogh? Starry Night, Vincent Van Gogh? Look at this quote I'm gonna throw up here on the LED. I have wrestled with this for two weeks. Here's what Van Gogh said. I feel there is nothing truly more artistic than loving people. I have wrestled with Van Gogh and Jesus. Isn't that weird? I have wrestled with this quote and I have brought it to the Lord Jesus and said, man, I don't even know if Van Gogh believed in you, Lord Jesus, but there's something to that quote right there. The greatest act of art, the greatest act of creativity is to love. Man, what does that mean? I feel there is nothing truly more artistic than loving people. And here's what I mean, here's what I think it means, you guys. Track with me. Here's what's going on in my head and my heart that God is, is pouring these new thoughts in. Why Van Gogh? Why is there nothing truly more artistic than loving people? I mean, you think about loving people and you think about creating something out of clay. You take something that's, that's blah and broken and nothing and you begin to form it. Or, or you think about creating music. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. And you begin to sketch it on paper and it becomes this thing. Why is loving people the greatest art? Well, well here's, what, here's what I believe. I believe love creates, and that'd be something that we should all write down. I believe love creates. I believe when there is a broken person like a lump of clay and they've been hurt or abused or they're going through a, a terribly hard time in life and the love of Jesus is in me and when I begin to interact with them and I begin to love them, I believe God, through my love, begins to create something in their life. I believe we have the power, those who are in Christ through the Holy Spirit, to create new life and new things in broken people by transferring the love of God. It was the love of God that changed us. I mean, I am a, I'm a firm believer now that there are no mere mortals. Every human being that I come in contact with this afternoon, I have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit and the love that's in me through Jesus to interact with them and find their hurts and speak words of life to where God will actually create new life and healing inside of them. It is no small thing to live now. Love someone as they are. <laughs> I mean, you just take someone in all their mess. You take, you take someone who's hurt you, or you take someone that you know who's going through a, a terrible time, and if you would just love that person exactly as they are. Watch how quickly they turn in to the truest version of themselves. 
What is it about love that allows you to be free? What is it about loving someone that, that, that allows them to take masks off and allows them to be vulnerable and allows them to, to speak who they truly are and speak about their wounds and speak about their hopes? What is it about love that allows people to be who they are and begin to heal? And so I'm thinking about this as I'm walking down Valencia and, and looking at my own wife and everything else and I'm thinking, man, if I could learn to love people just, just like Jesus, right where they're at and speak words of life, they could, they could, through me, become the truest version of them. When we love someone, uh, it's not me, it's not John's love that's doing it. When we love someone this way, it's the love of God that's touching them through us. Romans 5.5. 5. I love this verse, listen to this. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love, I love this visual, God's love. By the way, all it took was for me one day at 21 years old to hear about the love of God through the cross that changed my whole life. Like, it's that powerful, it's that big. There's something so powerful of being accepted, giving a new, be, being given a new identity. And so I, that, that very love is poured into me, I love this. He goes, because God's love has been poured into our hearts. <laughs> and it's not like, Okay, here's my heart. He filled it up halfway. Anything God does, he does in undescribable measures. He's overflowing my heart with this radically powerful love through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Like my heart is full of the love of God. And that love is so potent and powerful that when you just touch it, you're changed. And it's just all in there inside me. So here's my question as I'm on this journey. I mean, I'm asking myself, my bus experience, everything. Like if this is what God wants to use, if he has given me the ability and the opportunity to be this human, what keeps me from loving this way? Man, John, what keeps you from loving that way? Well, there's a thousand little reasons. And that's been my prayer. Like if I can feel purpose and I can change a human life by loving people right where they're at, and the, the power of God moves through my words, what is stopping me from speaking love to people? Well, it's not people, it's something in me. And so I began to pray about what to preach this morning in, in John 9, just fell on my heart. It was like the Holy Spirit said, John, here's your answer, not only for you, but for the church, for these people who are gonna leave here and go out into that city. What stops me from loving this way. Man, if God wants to heal a human life through me, what stops you, John? Go talk to them. And when you talk to them, when you talk to your wife or you talk to your kids or whatever it is, you, you talk to your staff or you talk to your friends or whatever it is, what's stopping you from speaking loving words that will heal them and allow them to be who they are and transform through your acceptance? Well, there's, there's many things, but I wanna, I wanna kill one of them in my own heart today. I want to grab a hold of one of them. And one of the things that stops me so often, guys, and, and you know, it's, it's like a species of sin. It's so small and quick, you could, you could miss it. It's judgment. It's judging people. Like there they are in all their brokenness. And Jesus goes, yeah, that's, that's how the cross works. I loved you in all your brokenness and it, it recreated everything you are. Love them where they're at and watch the power of my love touch them. And yet it's so easy in this flesh, 
you know, we battle pride and everything else. It's so easy to look at somebody and judge them for the condition they're in and not love them for where they're at. And Jesus is like, John, I didn't do that. I can't heal them through that judgment. And I can't give you purpose if you're gonna judge them. And so guys, I've, I've just, I just gotta share my life with you. I'm looking at my heart and saying, John, when you walk down the street and you see that Google exec or you see that homeless person or you see people in your own apartment and you know the love of God will radically change their lives, now speak those words of life to them. I'm noticing now the places of judgment where I keep judging. And so Jesus has a, Jesus has a story for us today. John 9. Uh, he has this very thing that he works through with his guys in John 9. And he's going to teach them how not to judge. Now, I understand. I always get great emails from you guys and great texts. By the way, I've never had more support from a church than I did this week. Unbelievable. Um, you owe me money because I'm out of data now. <clears throat> but I cannot tell you how many, how many emails, how many texts, and how many phone calls. I, I have been overwhelmed with joy. Unbelievable stuff. But in John 9, this is the very thing he's going to look at. When we see someone who's in a bad spot, the problem we have is the way we see them. Over 40 times in the Gospels, it said, Jesus saw, Jesus saw, Jesus saw, Jesus saw, Jesus saw. <clears throat> and it doesn't mean Jesus sees. Jesus isn't that basic. It doesn't mean like Jesus looked at someone and he saw them. That's not how Jesus works. Because Jesus also goes, having eyes to see, you don't see. So they're seeing and they're seeing. They're seeing people with my physical eyes where I put them up against me and I go, well, you're probably in that situation because you did it to yourself. And then there's spiritual sight that says, I'm looking past all of that and I'm looking into your heart and I'm looking at what Jesus did in my life and if I speak the right words, you'll be healed. So there's two types of sight in the Bible. John, what eyes do you have? Do you see people like Jesus or do you see people like John? If you, if you keep seeing people like John, you're going to keep judging people for the, the plight they're in. But if you learn to look through the eyes of Jesus and see people like Jesus, you're going to start speaking words that change humanity. So I start looking at this thing. It's the way we see people. You see, guys, think about it. If we're just humble today, when we see someone who's in a bad spot, isn't it so easy to judge them and to say they're probably there because they did X? instead of moving towards them. So all I want to do today is learn with you. All I want to do is go on a journey with you. And I want to learn how to see people differently so we love people differently. I want to learn how to see people differently so I love people differently. When I see, from a homeless guy to the big money guy who moved to the city to, to make it to the millennial who's trying to find his place and it's a lot like Hunger Games. Everyone graduates from college, you might as well get a spear. Man, it's this competitive march for a few jobs in the city. I mean, how do we start processing and seeing people differently so we love people differently? And by the way, no matter where you're at, if you're unemployed or you're trying to find a job or you're retired, you will not find the purpose you're looking for in these physical things. I know that. God has allowed me to be highly successful in a worldly way. And I found out about 10 years ago it's doing nothing for me. As a matter of fact, it's making me more prideful. But to love people, to spread the gospel, to be there for human, human life has given me the utmost purpose and joy in my life. So I want to tell you a story from John 9. 
Does everybody remember last week's sermon? Just raise your hand and make me feel better. All right. Next week, we're going to preach on not lying. Here's where we're at. And really, I'm just going to give you a thought. And I want something real to happen this week. Like crazy real. So here's what we said. Jesus, love broke into the world. Like love invaded our world. God made this amazing creation, and this amazing creation walked away from God. And so that amazing creation became a very broken creation. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus Christ, the son of God, came to this earth, the very essence of love. God is love. God invaded our earth to fix it, to heal it. So Jesus comes, and he's coming to go to the cross. He's coming to take away the thing that separates a human from God, and that's this thing we call sin. And Jesus is like, I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm going to take your sin debt on me. I'm going to pay that penalty for you. I'm going to die on that cross, and God is going to judge me in your place. And I'm going to come back from, from the grave because I'm Lord over the grave. And through that amazing work, I'm going to build a bridge between you and God. And if you would just put your faith in me, if you would just come to me and ask for forgiveness, I'll bring you back to God. And you'll experience the love of God, which transcends any experience. So Jesus comes to the earth. Love comes to the earth. And what he does is he begins to rally a little band of, of, of very messed up people, you guys couple fishermen a terrace yeah you didn't know that a terrace and then a nationalist like a patriot and a terrace you know what he does he pairs his 12 guys up in twos and guess who he pairs up the terrorist and the patriot they're gonna learn to love he gathers this crazy motley crew, this band of have-nots, and he goes, guys, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die on that cross for the sins of the world. I'm going to go back to heaven, but I'm going to leave you here. I'm going to pour love in your heart, but I'm going to leave you here, and you're going to need to carry on the mission and love this world for me. And that love's going to expand. You, you 12 are going to go to 3,000. That 3,000 is going to go to, to 50,000 and then a million. And then my love is going to be global. All through this world, my people will be born again and, and birthed. And love will begin to, to permeate every corner of this earth until I return. So we see, yeah, amen. So we see the beginning stages. We see love, Jesus Christ, come to this earth. And he gathers 12 behind him and he goes, guys, you're hard-hearted, you're angry, you're broken people with broken past. Follow me for three years, I'm gonna teach you what it looks like to love people. So John 9 is like a chapter of that story. And what Jesus does to teach these guys is he purposefully puts himself in really awkward positions with people who are not of the same race, not the same gender, who have diseases, who are outcasts, and he, he purposefully puts his guys in those positions and he goes, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with them? And they always say something stupid. They always mess the whole thing up and he goes, it's okay, we're learning. Watch, here's what you do. And he goes in and he shows this new way to love. And they sit back and they go, oh, that's what it looked like. Okay, write that one down. He goes to the next town. You know, a lady, a lady whose husband has died and her son has just died and, and literally a funeral is going on and this lady is weeping. And Jesus says, what are you gonna do with that? If I'm gonna leave this earth, you need to love. You gotta carry my love on. You gotta carry the mission on. What are you gonna do with that? 
just stay here so you don't mess something up and watch what I do here. And on his way to deal with this poor widow in the middle of this funeral, this lady grabs him in this crowd of people and she's been basically internally bleeding. She's dying. And he says, what are you gonna do with the lady who needs to be loved as you're on your way to love the other lady who needs to be loved? And they're like, we don't know. (laughs) Call fire from heaven and burn everyone up. (laughs) That was their answer. So he takes them in this school of just learning how to love. And I love it because I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus, my rabbi likewise, with the Bible saying, Jesus, teach me how to love. And every time I read one of these stories, he says, John, this is what it looks like to love a homeless person who who does not look right on the outside. Their their skin is leathered. Here's how you love them. Here's how you love Zacchaeus. The wealthy guy who looks like he's got everything, who's driving the nice car and he's making scads of cash and traveling everywhere, but he's dying inside. I'm going to show you right in my Bible. I dealt with him too. Here it is. So John 9 is just a lesson. Look at John 9, verse 1. And by the way, there's a Bible in front of you. We'll throw these verses up on the screen, but I'm going to try to act this out as much as I can so you can see it. I want you to see it in your mind's eye. I want you to visualize this journey. How hot is it out today, right now? 75, 75 degrees. I want you to, I want you to visualize a little bit of, of Pacifica and those rolling hills. Uh, um, let's, let's transfer that now to Israel. <clears throat> Dry, very little vegetation, Maybe it's one o'clock, maybe it's two o'clock. The sun's high, it's hot, dust is kicking up. Jesus is walking into a very urban place. He's walking from that kind of wilderness, those, those, those barren hills, and he's walking up a hill into this, this fairly large city for that time, a little bit like San Francisco, it's Jerusalem. And as he walks into Jerusalem, he's got his 12 guys behind him that he's trying to teach how to love. And he's got hundreds, if not thousands of people around him dust is kicking up it's sticking to sweat people are tired his his guys are tired they're a little edgy they're a little frustrated but Jesus has to teach them how to love so get that picture in your mind as they're going up that that ramp uh, as it were and they're walking into the gates of Jerusalem and music is going and roads are shut down and there's festivals going on in the middle of the street there's no parking there either they're selling food They're playing instruments. Culture is screaming. Kids are dancing. Everything's going. It's a beautiful time. And they walk into the city. And of all that's going on, of all that Jesus could point out, of all the attention he could he could pour him his eyes on. Look at what happens in verse nine nine one, chapter nine, verse one. As he passed by, he saw a man. See that sight, guys. You will walk by so many people today. Will you really see him though? No, he's not glancing. He's seeing. Everybody else walks by, but Jesus sees this man. He doesn't see him with eyes. He sees him with the eyes of his heart. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Class in session. He stops the whole crew. The 12 The hundreds behind him. He stops the whole train. Class in session. And he looks down at this blind man. He walks towards him. He doesn't walk away. He doesn't pretend he's not there. He walks towards him. The blind man can just hear the movement. He can hear the motion and the commotion. He can feel the dust kicking up 
against him, sticking to the sweat. He knows something's going on. And Jesus gently walks right up to him and he looks down at him and he doesn't say a word. This is how Jesus rolls. He doesn't say a word and his guys know exactly what's going on. Jesus is saying, what are you gonna do with this guy? What are you gonna do with this guy? How would they see this man? How, how do we see people? Uh, let me just say this too, guys. There's two things they could do right there, and there's two things we can do. The 12 can look at that blind man and they can judge him or they can love him. Each one is going to have a life-transforming effect on that man. I can look at my wife. I can look at the guy who works down at Arizmendi or Ritual Coffee. I can look at them, and if I judge and speak or if I love and speak, my choice But either one is going to have a life-changing impact on that soul. Nothing's neutral. So there they are. They walk up. They see this guy. They see Jesus just staring down at him. (laughs) Man, the tension. And they begin to process the situation. The eerie quietness of several hundred people all of a sudden, you know, bumping into each other. And nobody says a word. And they all just stand there like, what's going to happen now? And the 12 are gathered around Jesus. They're kind of looking at each other saying, We know how this goes. When we speak, we get it wrong. (laughs) What do we do with this guy? How are we supposed to deal with this guy? So look at what they do in 9-2. And the disciples asked him, Rabbi, teacher, (laughs) man, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? What? Like, that's what you said, guys? That's what you chose? And it says that the disciples said it. So they're no doubt like this. Guys, huddle, huddle, huddle. Okay, we got a blind man here. Jesus is staring at him. He wants us to interact. He's trying to teach us how to deal with people. What do we think? Well, he's blind. Well, he either sinned in the womb. What? And God cursed him? Or his parents did something really bad and God cursed the kid? Good answer. Everyone, are you, you guys good with that? We're good with that. Jesus, <clears throat> who sinned, this guy or his parents? Do you know the guy sitting right there? Like he's sitting right there. He's, he has lived with us for, who knows, 30, 40, 50 years. He's sitting right there, and this is what he hears from the followers of Jesus. Jesus, is it his fault or his parents' fault that his life is all messed up? And here's the problem of being a human, guys. Here's, here's what they did. It's the same thing we do. They put him through the religious grid. When we look at people, it's so easy to put them through a religious grid. Either he messed up, and that's why he deserves that, or his parents messed up and should have raised him different. And if he brought it on himself, we are not obligated to love. That's what they're doing here, guys. That's that's what they're doing, and it's so easy to do this. They're they're saying, Jesus, we're exhausted, we're tired, we don't want to love, we can't carry that baggage, our lives are hard enough. And if we can find that it's this guy's fault, that he's in that situation right there, then I don't have to love. You know, I I had someone hurt me this week. Whatever, it's life, right? But it hurt. I got hurt this week. It was, was, I really wrestled with it. And I knew as, as I'm journeying, like God wanted me to love. But I kept justifying it in my head. But they did that. That's why they're in that position. If they would have done it different, I wouldn't be forced to deal with this. I don't need to love. It's their fault. 
And Jesus says, no, you're looking at it all wrong. And maybe that's why it's so easy to judge people. Um, maybe it's because it keeps us from being infected by their problems. Like I have this mechanism in me that when I look at someone who I know needs my love, if I can justify why I don't need to love them, like, well, they're in that position because of the bad choices they made or, you know, I don't know, maybe they were, maybe their parents didn't raise them right or whatever it is, but it's, it's definitely their fault. If it's their fault, I don't have to love. They got themselves in that mess. And it's amazing what the disciples are doing. I think they're trying to keep this real safe and tidy world that keeps everything in its place. I love people who are like me. I love people who I know. I love them in a certain way. I'm not obligated to love these people because they've brought it on themselves or they're different. And so they come across with this 9-2 answer. Jesus is staring at this man. We have to deal with this guy. We have to help him. Well, do we really have to help him? Either he sinned or his parents sinned. He's dealing with his own dirt. And boy, Jesus just, he's not tidy, guys. Look at me. Jesus is not tidy. He's messy. He's just gonna fling you in situations and when you think right is right and left is left and you think you, think you got everything boxed up neat and tidy, he'll come in and he'll, he'll throw this crazy curveball at you and this is where I was this week. Like I thought I knew how to love. I thought I knew how to love. I thought I knew who to love and Jesus came in and said, John, I'm gonna take this to another level. Just, just don't get too comfortable with me. And the disciples, as they look at this guy, guys, they see a completed tragedy. They see a man whose life is over. They see a completed tragedy and they find the villain in the tragedy. And what Jesus does is he sees a story that's only half told with the best yet to come. He sees a man who's not the villain, even though his life is, is, is broken and he doesn't see it as a tragedy. He sees it as a chapter of a story and he's about to blow people's minds. You see, when Jesus sees people, he moves from the outside into the world. He incarnates. When Jesus is staring at people in the Bible, it probably freaked, him, freaked those people out. But I want, you to, I want you to think about this. When Jesus is staring at people in the Bible, what he's actually doing is he's visualizing what it is to live their life. That's what Hebrews says. Jesus feels our infirmity because he got into our skin. So when Jesus looks at the leper in, in Mark or he looks at the blind man in Mark and he stares at them, what he's actually doing is he's going, let me replay their life. Let me feel what it's like to be lonely. Let me feel what it's like to be born blind. Let me feel what it's like to not have friends. He's incarnating. He's getting into their lives. And what Jesus is trying to teach his guys is, if you're going to love, you're going to have to burst some compassion. Slow down, enough of the quick theological answers, and start visualizing what it must be like to live that life. And watch what happens to your heart. When I was in Sacramento, when I had first moved there, and we planted a church um, on Mondays, I would go down into the worst neighborhood I could possibly go to, and I would sit on a bench, and I would just watch people. I would watch people because I would, get, I would try to get myself in their skin and feel what it was like to live their life. And what would happen is a passion, a compassion would begin to be birthed inside of me to start moving towards them. That's what Jesus is doing. And I think when he's staring at this, this blind man and he's thinking, what, what is it like? Does he have siblings? 
What's happened to his parents? Do they live with guilt? I think the worst part of this man's condition is the inability to belong. A Maslow, if you've gone to any university or anything else, you'll recognize that name. It's kind of been the, uh, the standard for the basic human needs to live. And I want you to think of the people around us or who you live with. Maslow says the basic needs to live are food, water, shelter, safety, and belonging. And belonging. And this man's condition took away one of the very things that makes him human. He doesn't belong. It's impossible to stay fully human if you're without the exchange of love and community. And Jesus is feeling it. And man, I, I gotta learn to look at people and I gotta learn to get in their skin and feel people so I stop judging. And compassion begins to be birthed inside me. Love is awakened when you see someone's pain, you put yourself in their shoes until your heart moves with action. I wanna be that. I'm becoming that. John 9, 3, check it out. <laughs> like they have the worst answer in, in verse two. I don't even want to read verse three because it says Jesus answered. Oh boy. Is he in that situation because he made some bad decisions or his parents made some bad decisions? Therefore, we, we need to walk by. Jesus answered with love, with grace, with tenderness. Jesus answered, it was not that this man sins or his parents. It wasn't his fault and it wasn't his parents' fault that he's like this. Well, then how do we explain it? He's in this situation. God has allowed him to be in this situation so that the works of God might be displayed in him. What? <laughs> what? Like, what just happened? No, 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 I want to be black and white. You're in a bad place, you're bad. I'm not in your place, I'm good. Jesus liked neither of it. God's mysterious plan wove that thing into existence. He's blind so that God can reveal himself to that man. Jesus Christ has just swept away all the false views by saying, neither has this man sinned or his parents. Jesus is saying this, guys, grab a hold of this. Eat this and drink this right here. Jesus is saying to his disciples, this man was allowed to live with this hard situation so you could create a way to love him. You see, if that man was allowed to see, he may have never known the love of God. He may have said, I'm, I'm sufficient, I don't need God in my life. But he was allowed to live blind so the people of God could see it, feel compassion, and find a way to creatively love him and tell him about God and the hope of God. His plight, his position, is partnering with your calling. Look at John 9, verse 4. Jesus goes, guys, he's blind by God's hands so that God and his love can be revealed to this blind man through you. And then he goes like this in verse 4. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Guys, go work the work of love. All these people are, are allowed to be in all these situations so you can come and love them and care for them and get their attention. 
Guys, night is coming when no one can do this. Like, there's a day when people die and they cannot know the love of God. Like, do it now. They're allowed to be in these positions so you, the people of God who carry the love of God, can go show acts of love and show them that there's a better way in God. And if they didn't have that situation, you would never have an inroad to talk to them about the love of God. He goes, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Wait a minute, this, guy, this guy's blind. Jesus is like, he needs me. He needs the light of the world. He needs me. He's been allowed to be physically blind so you could show him spiritual light. Love him. Having said these things, I love this. Jesus spits, that's so cool. Having said these things, he spit on the ground. So he just kind of, and he kneels down and he makes mud with the saliva. He's like working pottery. Then he takes that clay and he rises up and he anoints the man's eyes with the mud. Now Jesus could have spoken, he could have been healed. What is he doing? And then he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So this blind guy gets up, he goes down to this known pool, he washes, and he comes back screaming. <laughs> I can see, I can see. Why the, why the dirt, why the clay? What's he doing right there? Jesus is trying to get these guys to learn how to love. He's saying, you are my jars of clay, my vessels carrying my love. And if you would reach into that man's life and love him where he's at, care for him where he's at, my love would work through your little clay pot life. And we would raise this man up. That's why you're here, your clay in my hands to heal people through love. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay. We have the love of God inside us that wants to move through us. And once they saw, they understood. I want to tell you two quick stories. I'm out of time. Are you okay? Man. Clocks. Two quick stories and we'll shut it down. Because I'm over my time, you don't have to come back till next Sunday. We were uh, in the financial district yesterday, and I was tired. And uh, I, I sometimes get grumpy when I'm tired. And uh, I park in this parking garage, and there's this parking cop. And I get out of my car, and I don't know what his problem was. Like, he's like, are you shopping here? Like, I don't know, dude. Did I just park here? Like, this is not how I treat people. I don't know what was going on with me. I know what was going on. Jesus is like, John, you think you know how to love? We're going to take this to a new level. And uh, I literally swung back, and I was like, you know, I did this thing, like. And, uh, you know, he's like this, you know, and I'm, I'm not a big guy, and I'm like, oh, great. But my wife's with me, and I got to impress her, so I start walking at him, you know, and I'm like, what is going on right now with me? And, and I'm like, dude, we're fine. Relax. Soft answer turns away wrath. Dude, we're fine, relax. And uh, he goes, are you gonna shop here? If not, move the car. I said, I'm gonna shop here, relax. He goes, he starts walking towards me more. Are you gonna shop here? What store are you going to? Mind your business. And all of this, like the Holy Spirit's like, perfect, John. Now I'm gonna teach you. And 
I kind of grab my wife and I'm like, dude, just chill out. And I walk away and I feel so cold and ugly. Like the Holy Spirit, you know, he's just like, told you we're going places. And I'm like, oh, my soul, what did I just do? What did I just do? And so we're in Pete's Coffee and I'm just like, and Jess goes, we got to get him something. <laughs> we have got to go make this right. And I'm like, absolutely, we need to go make this right. And I walk, and, and Jess goes, you know, he probably wanted to be a cop, and this is like all that's left, you know? <laughs> like she, and, and you know, she, the cool thing is she's like being serious. She's getting into his skin, and she's like, maybe, maybe he's having a really hard day, and I'm just like, oh, man, I'm so glad for Grace, because I so messed this up. And so I, we buy all this coffee, like four different types. Like, I don't know, but he's getting something today. And we, we go over to him and I start walking at him. And, you know, he's like, I'm telling you, you got a taser out or something, you know. And he's like, you're back, huh? And I'm like holding my coffee out, like, just I'm coming to love on you, dude. And I, I said, hey, seriously, I need to apologize to you. Like, I need to apologize. And uh all of a sudden, immediately, just treating him with love in the condition he's in. He's probably angry. He's probably tired. He's probably frustrated. And just loving him right where he was at, his countenance, his body language, everything changed. And he had this look on his face like he didn't know what to do. He was like free. He could just be him. And he goes like this. And he gives me a fist bump. <laughs> and I like fist bump him and my coffee spill. And I'm like, hey, I got like an, an Americano and like a cold brew, like, here, just, I'm really sorry, man. I'm like, seriously sorry. And it was just amazing, the contrast of what it looks like when Jesus is like, hey, I designed you to love that man. Just go do something good, like get in his skin and feel him out and then do something loving for him and watch what happens. Like you're gonna, you're gonna create. You're, he's a canvas, paint. Paint on his heart. And I had another really wild thing I'm not gonna get into, but it was with someone super close to me and, and just something happened, something came up and, I was so wounded and, and like, you know, feeling sorry for myself a little bit and pray for me and all this stuff. And I kept thinking to myself, you know, they didn't hurt me. They didn't choose to do that. They didn't choose to be like that. That was something that was totally out of their control and it affected you. Yes, it did. Who sinned? Who sinned, Lord? They sinned again. No, none of that happened, John. That happened to give you an opportunity to show my love. That's why it happened. It's right there. Just trust me and go love them. And I did, you guys, and I'm telling you, it has been so amazing. When I've, you know, I've put all this junk away and I've just been like, hey, I gotta go, I gotta go care for this person now. Jesus is saying, yes, art is the greatest form of love. Love is the, famous, the, the greatest form of art. There are these blank canvases that are broken and I have called you to paint pictures of love on their hearts. And what I had to do this week, guys, is I had to put away judgment, just like these disciples. And like an artist, I had to find a way to paint a picture of love on these people's hearts. And I'm telling you, what it did is it began to create a masterpiece called a human being. And so I want to I challenge you. Way out of time here, I'm sorry, but I want to challenge you. Find a canvas. Find a heart. Feel them all that they want to become one day, all that they, they feel like they can never do because of their past, whatever it is, they are allowed to be in that situation so the work of God can be manifested to them 
go paint love in some radical way on the canvas of their heart and watch the masterpiece take shape. Let's pray together. Come on this journey with me, you guys. Pray. We got time. Let's be with Jesus. Guys, we can go out and do this work. We're called and equipped, and this is the highest purpose we'll ever know. It's where you sit right now. Pray for this. Eyes to see. Not people anymore. Not situations. Not homelessness or divorce. No. These things have been allowed so that the works of God may be known to them. Go love them and show them God. Pray for this, you guys. Eyes to see. Man, what could happen if the Holy Spirit raised us up into this? I'm going after this, guys. I pray you come with me. And if you're here and you've never known this type of love, if you've never known Jesus as your Savior, this is God. He is the healer of souls. He is the great lover of souls. And all that you've been through, maybe it's happened so you could land in a church on a Sunday morning and the work of God could be revealed to you. Why don't you ask Jesus to save you, to forgive you, that you want to know his love. Do it the best way you know how where you sit right now. Pray to him. In church, let this be our anthem. Worship freely. Pray to him. The music's going to play, guys. Just pray to him. Sing to him. Pray with me. Oh, God, make me a lover of souls. May this be a, a crazy week. Give me experiences. When I look at people, Lord, Help me not to judge, but help me to see that you put them where they're at so I can love them and show them your love. Give me eyes to see. Give us eyes to see. Your heart is filled with the love of God. Let's let it flow like a river. Let's unleash it. Like a thousand different beautiful colors of paint flung beautifully on a canvas of someone else's heart. Live. Man, just live with every ounce of love while you can. And let us see lives changed. Be free this morning, guys. As Jeffrey leads us, be free. Be free to worship this morning. Keep praying.